Welcome back. Welcome back to Corridor Cast. This week we have Megan Buster, aka Ducky Dynamo. We have Sean Smallwood, aka Sean Smallwood. They're two great Baltimore DJs. They play together as Turnt. And we also have special guest Walt Oshab. Now, Walt and Sean played together in a uh, band called The Shipyard back in the day. And as you'll hear, that was a pretty formative experience for both of them. Uh, this was a fun talk. We get some stories about DJing a bondage party, uh, about touring to Canada. It's a lot of fun. Um, Megan even tells us why Leslie Jones is a bit of a problem. Uh, Anyway, so stay tuned. Before we get to that, I want to let you guys know about some quick Santa Labrada news. We had some great shows at the Auto Bar playing with the Dolly Rots. It was a whole lot of fun. Thank you if you came out. Uh, We were at The Thing in Frederick just yesterday as I'm recording this. That was a blast. Uh, coming up on June 29th, we have a show with Church Girls at Joe Squared, so hope to see you there. Now, when you're done listening to this, if you're not already, follow Sean at Destruction, follow Ducky Dynamo at Ducky Dynamo on Twitter. You can follow their collaboration at We Are Turnt. Okay, let's get this going. Music from D.C. and Baltimore, you'll find it all here on Corridor. Waltzes or cut time or straight for four. You'll find it all here on Corridor. Hey, this is Kelsey, and I'm super excited to be here with Sean Smallwood and Megan Buster, d- and, a.k.a. Ducky Dynamo. Yay. And also we have Walt Oshab in the house. Now, Megan and Sean, they form like Voltron and become turnt. So there's like several different projects we could be talking about here. But I understand that you guys have a mixtape coming out. Uh, yeah. Hey, everybody. Um, so last year we put out a 30 minute mix of like almost all originals. Um, there were a few like radio remixes of songs, but, uh, we're trying to very quickly prepare, um, the next volume of that mixtape, uh, to release, um, but it'll have like remixes of songs, uh, and some original stuff that we worked on as well. Now, when do you think that might be ready? Do you have any idea or... Probably like it's technically <laughs> it's a like. Question. I mean, technically, we could say we were done. Yeah, but we also could say we're nowhere near done. <laughs> so it's the it's the magical when will this artist release this album type of situation. So you'll keep us waiting, yes. waiting in anticipation. Until it, it is time. <laughs> um, it's a uh, Megan's mostly been uh, helming this one in terms of um the construction and creation of it which is like a learning experience uh as last year i I was doing more of the the construction of of the music and things like that within the software we use ableton um so she's been learning ableton so that's also a part of it as well uh you know we try to always be learning things and be exploring music differently um and you know it gets stale if people keep hearing the same thing all the time so by trading off that responsibility to someone else and it'll hopefully give the music of like a just different perspective or a fresher perspective Mm -hmm. And do you have, like, an idea behind the mixtape? Like, is there a theme to it? Something specific you're trying to say? Or um, I don't know. We we grew up here, uh, and we are fans of two different eras of club music. Uh, I'm from the, the, what most people call, you know, like, the original era of club music, where it was far more, like, about dicks and, <laughs> like, party breaks, and, like, DJ breaks, whereas though she comes from the era where it was more about, like, dancing. Sure. And, uh... It was a little bit more melodic, so um, you know, it, it tries to be something that someone from those periods of time can listen to, and you know, they'd be like, "Whoa, this is like the music I I grew up with, but it's being made like right now." Mm-hmm. 
Now, uh, I have Walt here because you and Walt have quite a bit of history going back, and uh, I wanted to talk about how being in the band, the shipyard back in the day, kind of affected what you guys are all doing now. Um, so we were talking earlier about like things you learned being in a band that carry on to DJing. So like, what are some of the things you learned that you kind of rely on when you're, when you're DJing? Um, the first, first and foremost thing that I've tried to take with me throughout music since I first met uh, Walt was that every show was a practice and every practice was a show. Um, we would go to his house and we would play our set two or three times in a row, straightforward. And he always taught us and drilled into us that you did this that way when you went to the program, there would kind of be no surprises. There's no way virtually for like anything crazy to happen to you because you're only doing what you were doing in your house. You know, there's nothing extra that's going to be happening right now. And uh, that's the most important thing um, that I, I think I took away from it all. I think the, the one thing that I've learned also all these years later is, is how fluid and music truly is. I remember I used to get um, frustrated at times when Walt would be like, no, this isn't right. And I'd be like, what the fuck? Well, you know, we've been in here for like eight hours. You know, it, it, like that doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, but now, you know, almost a decade later, or not a decade later, like I, I do truly get it. And that has come from meeting artists from around the world who all of them have their own way of working and just being taught to understand that concept that everyone is different and you know there is time involved and nothing happens overnight mm -hmm. you know we sat in his house for i think a year year and a half before we even thought about going outside and then that took us you know even a little bit more time to achieve that goal so you know it's just it's patience yeah, and, um, you know, DJing, for, for me, I don't know much about DJing, but it seems like pretty solitary. But you two, you guys are seem pretty collaborative with other folks. Like, what, who, who do you partner with, and how does that, like, manifest itself? Well, we collaborate kind of with, it is almost a, it is almost a, uh, anybody who is around and willing to join the mission sort of thing. Um, it comes collaborative because, at least for me, is what became an artist or what is an artist or however you want to sort that, you work from everybody else. And the thing about DJing is, and it is the same as when you're in a band, when you're performing for people, you that's kind of how you create what you are. When you're in a band, you're performing the thing you made, you said you practice with your band, you did it, you go on stage, you do it, and either they like it or they don't. It kind of at a point in time isn't your job to force them to like it because it is your art and your product. So hopefully the shit you made is good. <laughs> when you're a DJ, though, it is primarily your job to make sure that the people enjoy whatever it is you're putting out, whatever it is you're doing. So you do have to cultivate something that's specifically you. Like you could give me, him, and like three other DJs, we know a set of 50 songs. The same 50 songs, like you have to go and now DJ, you know, a 20 minute set with these 50 songs. Every single single one of us will play it differently. Um, that is kind of the thing that you that, that as a DJ you can get from other DJs because we do have this job to go stand and entertain this party. We will, but everyone will use a different formula. We'll get there. Everyone will use a different style and everything, even the way they physically actually do it will change. And being able to work with different artists first to see how you know that goes and even to then have to share a stage or a bill with them 
that all of it rubs off on you in some kind of way. It's just the issue of how much do you choose to let it rub off on you. And then are you stealing somebody's style or are you learning some another way to do something? So that's kind of, I guess, where, you know, that comes in. It, 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 and skill goes out the window there, too, because then it doesn't matter if you're working with somebody who's been DJing for decades or somebody who just bought their first controller last week. Mm-hmm. Um, they still have their own, you know, situation of how they choose to do stuff. So helping them learn and then you learning from them, I guess that's kind of like how that works out. And how did you guys get started? Like, when did you know that this is something you wanted to do? Start what? Uh, I guess <laughs> perform, you know, performing at, uh, you know, either with, because I know you play bass as well. So either playing bass or. or so here's how this works band. for me. Here's the, 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 the ducky backstory. <laughs> um, I started playing music a long time ago. Mm-hmm. It was funny. I didn't. It wasn't until. I started DJing, and this is, the DJ, Ducky, is about two years old now. Maybe a year and a half, but we'll say maybe two, something like that. Um, And I mean that in the sense of, since I've been outside performing as a DJ. So that's about two years old. Um, But I realized in this journey how long I've actually been playing music. And I've literally been playing music, like, kind of since I could read. Mm. I've always been playing instruments. My father, you know, he had a lot of, you know, music stuff. So he taught me, you know, things when I was little, clarinet, blah, blah, blah. And then getting into, um, I used to play violin in the orchestra in school. So I had that. Is that we started on violin? Mm. Technically, I started playing clarinet. Okay. You want to be super keyboards and clarinet was first. But the first instrument I picked was the violin. It would have been drums, but (laughs) my parents, we lived in an apartment. And my mom was like, absolutely not. And I was like, but it's a drum pad thing. And she was like, absolutely not. (laughs) So I never got to be a drummer. So, you know, the next thing was I got to play that. And I still can. And I think part of the reason I forgot about it and kind of don't think about that as a root is because it wasn't school. I was one of the last ones lucky enough to be able to be in a public education where they forced us to learn music. Mm -hmm. Like I had to go to me. We had to go to music on art class just like we had to go to math and visit. You know, so it was taught to me how to read music the same way, you know, anything else standard was. Um, and a lot of us take that for granted, I've learned, yeah. um, because that's not the case anymore at all. And it really does feel like I was one of the last classes to learn that, because almost everybody I know now, they're like, what? No, I've never had music class. I've never been able to do that. So time goes on, blah, blah, blah. And when I graduated high school, I ended up playing bass because I was into it. And I was like, no, nah, I want to learn a damn instrument. I want to do something. Because <laughs> um, I've always loved and collected. That's the thing where I have always been a DJ. Because I've always had a massive music collection. Mm-hmm. And always was bent on organizing it. <laughs> and, then, and then giving it to people. You know, so it was like, I was doing that. And the love of music took me closer to, at the time, the rock music stuff. Because I decided I couldn't rap. I definitely can't sing. <laughs> so I was like, well, I'll just make a band. You know, I'll just do that. So I kind of taught myself how to play bass this brought me to my interest in the bands period Mm -hmm. and that's how I ended up um this is my space era now so we're in like 2005 2006 and it was a pretty cool time to be on the internet like music then because that's when my space was still a record label Mm -hmm. you know so it was like it was a cool place to find bands and I discovered all of these bands locally I'm like oh shit I turned 18, 19-ish around that time. So that's the um, time when I also started going out. So I could go out to parties and clubs and stuff. 
But I found all these shows and I was like, there's a whole thing here about people who just go out and make music, but they're like my age and shit, you know, yeah. they're like doing it on their, um, their own. And that is how I got sucked into the business because I became street team and <laughs> everything oh, from there, team. right. <laughs> everything from there, you know, just kind of, kind of served itself and, I learned from the music on that end, learning how to be in a band, learning what a band is, learning how it looks when they tour, learning how they can do all this shit, and then they get paid like forty dollars at the end of the night, and I don't really get it because there's five of them, and they, you know, <laughs> they and it's like it. right, and they're carrying all this shit to the car, and I'm just kind of like, this is what it, this is what you do, but then they taught me, well, yeah, that's why we burn all these CDs and sell them because mm-hmm. we're not getting no money from this show, yeah. but we made a hundred dollars selling CDs. So when you were starting out and just starting to go out to see groups, like what were the ones that really affected you, like what? What were the ones that made you think you could do this? Could play. I started closest with a band um, called Dropout Year. They came up more or less out of Owens Mills. Mm. Um, my boyfriend at the time went to high school with one of the lead guitarists, and I went to high school with the drummer at the time. So, and that was actually seeing a show. They um, he invited me to a show at Record Theater in Towson, and that was the first time I had ever gone to like any rock show period but then also it being a local show you know I'd never seen anything like that and I went and I saw them and it was it was dropout year I don't remember the other band on the bill it was another local band and I think I want to say like the headliner was Medina Lake it was or 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 (laughs) it was somebody like that but that was another show and that's kind of what did it for me because it was no that's right all right I'm mixing stories up Dropout Year is the band that I was associated with first. That's the first um, band I started um, helping out as far as promotion and stuff. Okay. They were on the same label or something like that. I hope I don't fuck that up as all time <laughs> low. That's the one kind of everybody wouldn't know. That's the, yeah. They're the ones who like, you know, kind of took off as the popular pop, you know, rock band from the area. So it was really just seeing the tears because here you have Dropout Year, which is a really good band, you know, but they're they're smaller. Right. So they don't have as much. Then you have All Time Low, which comes from the same place, but they're definitely on MTV. Mm-hmm. So they're definitely famous, but still shopping at Target on Rice's Town Road. You know, so it's like, okay, I see what's going on. But then they would be opening for these huge bands that is like, oh, these are internationally known bands. Like, this is like a famous thing and you're right here with them. How does that work? What did you, because you're not famous, but the music's definitely good. And that's how I'm like, oh, well, this is how people grow. You know, they just dick around and wait until these, these cool acts come and need somebody to fill in the opening. They do what they can and make no money ever. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know, they, they, they keep that. And I guess like what Sean was saying, as far as his involvement in the band y'all knew, that's kind of what taught the basics of that. I had that on the other end, just literally watching it and supporting it, though, because my job was to tell people about the show. And then I'd sit and wait like, wow, you do all this work and no one sees that and no one understands that part. But this is the way this is the only way to do it. And then eventually, as you see, you know, bands turn into bands. Some of them can make it. Some of them can't. But again, there's still people roaming around off that same stuff from 10 years ago who are still somehow making that same money. That's all time low. They like just did a thing a couple of years ago, but they literally just started, you know, in the same like shitty locations everyone else did. Yeah, but it's, it's kind of hard to see tell who's gonna take off and who's not. There's exactly. so much up to chance. Yeah, and um, so do you want to talk about how you started? When did you realize you wanted to get involved with music? Um, I I answered the ad on Craigslist that was looking for uh 
drummer in a stoner rock band and literally the two people that I'm sitting in the room with right now <laughs> yeah. were the two people who I also met that day and that was like 10 years ago and um I don't know I was very fortunate I think to meet people who to meet you guys and you guys were very supportive of that concept and of learning something new because music was in it wasn't entirely new to me I much like as Megan was saying you know we all had the elementary school you know playing on a recorder playing clarinet you know um and uh to then be involved like I said with people who and you know like I, and just I learned everything I know about music from being an addict hmm. like I learned you know basic music theory I learned kind of how to count but you still <laughs> don't really know how to do counting super hard yeah true. i learned the most important musical lesson of watch your band leader <laughs> yeah and just watch for the watch for the changes <laughs> it's like if he looks at you strangely you're probably <laughs> overcount yeah something's <laughs> you're up probably fucking this up um but no you know that that's where it all started for me and uh even djing um uh, about seven or eight years ago, uh, some friends came to me and they were like, you know, we know you're about to have a kid. You can have this equipment. Um, you can sell it for, you know, your kid. Uh, you know, and I was just like, well, that seems stupid because <laughs> what if somebody comes into town and they need to use it for a performance? You mm-hmm. know, or can they, we, you know, has to rent anything. You don't have to bring anything with you. It'll just be here. And uh, people found out that you know we had the equipment and they started asking us to play and and it's just it's been that situation ever since um you know and i used to say all the time i was like you know i was happy that walt just called me every week because in my mind i always knew that someone doesn't have to call you you know that for any for whatever reason whether it's on their end and personally they may not want to do it anymore or they may even not just want you to do it anymore but you might not get called back so you know you just be appreciative that you got the call. You go and you play your music, and you kind of go from there. Um, I guess even before that, though, uh, for about the decade prior to me meeting Walt, uh, I hung out with um, a uh, a rap thing called Spank Rock, uh, which is uh, based out of Philadelphia. He had two DJs. Uh, there was a producer. He did the vocals. Um, I toured with them uh, a little bit, mostly doing like logistics stuff, uh, driving. Um, Making sure, you know, like, you get a phone call at 3 in the morning and they're like, we missed the plane from L.A. because we were on the Jimmy Kimmel show too long. <laughs> you know, and it's like, you know, so now you have to call the label, get the credit card. You have to wake up people, yeah. get the credit card information, call the airline, see if you can get the flight changed. If you can't get the flight changed, okay, so what's the next ticket out? Or where can I send them to get them here? Because the problem is, yes, they missed the plane. Yes, it's going to cost us more money, but... They have a show the very next day in another market, and they're already now under 12 hours away from being in their space. So that was probably my first, one of my first, you know, like post uh, high school uh, introductions. Um, That's like such a specific job. How did you get involved with that? Being a guy with the internet. (laughs) Uh, Because one of the the things I've I've noticed over the course of the past um, 15 years or so is that art has been moving into a digital realm and that is a a demographic of people that are more or less troglodytes uh (laughs) they know very very little about technology you know you can sit an artist down in front of a computer and they they may know how to make art on that computer but they may not have any concept of what that computer actually does Like in terms of, you know, getting bookings and things like that? or No, just 
how to cut it on. Uh. <laughs> a computer might as well be modern day magic to some people. You yeah, know, I know people. It, it the, to me, to me, oh, buying a computer and putting and oh, taking it out of the box and sitting it on your desk is the equivalent of taking a bowl and putting chicken blood, bones, and some fur <laughs> in it and looking at it and be like, make this happen. Like you know, we're gonna. We're gonna make some magic happen here, and I know people who buy it's computers. It's magic time. I know people who buy computers and have replicated this experience. They just take a shot of the box and put it on their table, and they're like, <laughs> "Wait for the magic to happen." And I'm like, "That's not how that works. That's not how any of this works." <laughs> but um, shit, that made me lose my train of thought. But um, I don't know though. But you know, for me though, music that job it it, it was just about knowing how to use a computer, knowing how to use the internet, you know, knowing where to go find cheap plane tickets at, you know, understanding how to pull information up back on the internet because this was twenty almost you know almost twenty years ago, so it wasn't smartphone land, you know, and and I remember because I used to tell they used to always want me to come on the road with them, and I used to tell them if I'm on the road, I cannot possibly do what I'm doing right now mm-hmm. because there's you would I would have needed a smartphone. Yeah. And this was this like even Palm Pilots were still like not really, there was no smartphone back then. Um, there was no iPhone, you know, so there was no sitting in the airport and being able to, oh yeah, I'm about to find this flight right now, you know. No, it was crack your laptop out. We needed to have some real internet in here, and it needs to be real internet though, not mm-hmm. dial up, not DSL. Like I need like you know actual internet so that I can pull this information down. So that's kind of where that came from. Um, the Sankofa Drum and Dance Theater, Spank Rock's from Baltimore. Uh, Okay. The Sankofa Drum and Dance Theater is also, he would use uh, classically trained African drummers and dancers as a part of his live oh, performance. Awesome. Um, so a lot of times it would be also, because they were local, uh, it would be, okay, you have to go pick up two drummers, three dancers, and then they have to be deposited in Brooklyn, New York by 5 p.m. And then everyone has to go to Philadelphia the next day. So, so everyone's... a lot of like back and forth, a lot of logistics. Oh, yeah. I've know? driven illegally up and down the entire <laughs> corridor of 95, I believe, actually, by this point in my life. Yep. So you're basically like um, the dude from uh, Metal Gear Solid, like Snake would call you, and he'd be like, "I'm on it." Right? Yeah. <laughs> Otacon. Yeah. I like always, always a, a more, more, more akin to Wade from Kim Possible for me. Okay, there you go. There yeah. you go. Yeah. yeah. Megan hates Kim Possible though. I do. Oh. Why is that? I'm not sure. <laughs> um, I just yeah. What's always... the such effect? <laughs> <laughs> I've just always, for some reason, had this natural aversion to it. Wait, we figured out. It is because, really, it's a, it's a small hipster. There's a, there's a very small hipster in my soul. And it's been there since I was a baby, which makes it ironic. Because even since I was a child, I was already so over you were a hipster whatever. Were I was a hipster before it was a cool to be. I even hipstered history. Like, it's, it's, it's something about it. But what happened, if I'm not mistaken, there is a sound in that TV show. That to me sounds an awful lot like Power Rangers in the sound that I used to make when Zordon would call them. Yes. And the so when I hear it, yes, when I hear it, I'm like, Power Rangers. But assholes my age here and they're like, impossible. And I'm like, <laughs> absolutely not. You guys are wrong. Don't you know? It's the year. And I'm like, Power but Rangers? this, yeah. And, it would, and I was very, Power Rangers, Power Rangers is a really big part of <laughs> me. So it is was it a good? problem. Um, I refuse to go see it. I'm, I'm scared. Wait, no, no, go go see it. It's. I mean, sure, I'll wait. I'll, when it comes out on the thing, I'll watch it. Wait, but yeah. we need to do Walt's review of the Power Rangers movie real quick. Oh, let's hear it. Oh, okay. Perfect. Yeah, this is. So this is why this is why you guys have me. On. This is why Walt's here. Just let you know. So, so, now Walt's moment. Yeah, right. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't really said too much. Um, 
it, somebody said the other day that like you know how like they call a group of crows a murder mm. they said what's a group of white men it's a podcast uh, <laughs> so like i just that is a favorite like you that. know i didn't want to come in here and be like well it's time for the white guy's opinion <laughs> anyway uh power rangers if if you like power rangers the show the original one the, the one. um you know if you're you're down with um Saban or whatever you know, Saban, uh, Saban, yeah, Heim. Yeah, Saban. yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You'll you'll like it. it it's a, they tried to the, the first like fifteen minutes are annoying as hell because they keep it, it feels like the the cameraman's drunk. Like they keep trying to do this like swivelly thing with the camera, and then it, it feels like they just kind of give up on it. Which you're like, okay, cool, <laughs> right? You're like, like this was dumb. Why don't we choose? Like we can't do this for a whole movie. Um, so if you make it through that, it's it's good because like. They're trying to do a little bit of like the Michael Bay Transformers mm-hmm. kind of thing with it. Those are terrible. But <laughs> but it's like I think like they had to make it look like that enough for the studio to put it out. How many lens flares per hour occur? Not many. I, okay, I, I so can't it's even. Not that yeah, no, 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 no. It's no, not no, that no, Michael no. Bay. Then if we can't. No, it's it's just boy. like I don't know. It it just has that like like the film has that look. But um, if you could, it's not really film anymore. But the look of no, it, whatever it is. Yeah, I'm, I'm old. Okay, but. Um, <laughs> no, it's cool because like the whole story is basically about them trying to turn into Power Rangers and not being able to, and then at the end they turn into Power Rangers. And oh, yeah. like it, it's um God, what did I? There was something I saw recently, and I was like, you go this whole movie and there's like no payoff. Mm. Um, oh, Christ, what was that? Uh, sorry, like this movie, it actually paid off at the end. Okay. You know, it's like they build up, and it's like yeah, like the last like twenty minutes, like they kick ass as Power Rangers. So I guess I need to put a spoiler alert on this that they actually become Power Rangers. So. No one's no one, no one's <laughs> this, is, this is getting edited out. Of yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, but no, it was uh, it was just great because you're like the whole time you're like, all right, man, you're gonna you guys are gonna become Power Rangers, kick ass. But how are you gonna do it? And then when they do it, you're like, all right, right. this is awesome, <laughs> you know. So and it, it's just hokey enough. Like there's enough cheese in it. I I think, like. See it. it. It's you know. Don't don't be afraid. Don't but does be afraid. it justify the six sequels that are coming now or something? Oh shit? my gosh! They were like, there's six um, more of these, fam. Yeah, oh, actually, so I tell you what, the kid who plays the Blue Ranger is awesome, and <laughs> he's the only reason that like if you took him out of it, the movie would be garbage. Mm. Um, so the fact that he was in it and and made it, you're like, okay, no, I'll watch a second one because then the second movie hopefully is them kicking ass as Power Rangers, right? right. Because this one is like, are they going to kick ass as Power Rangers? Yes. <laughs> All right, they now they're kicking ass as Power Rangers. This is awesome. Let's continue. Yeah, That's right. Here, but... And then the next one, like, let's let's kick some ass for two hours now instead of like twenty minutes, you know. But oh, Ghostbusters, the new Ghostbusters. Mm. Oh yeah, no, fuck that. <laughs> no, 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 no. Because if you took the last, the, if you took the third act off of that movie, it's not a bad movie. It's really good. And then as soon as the third act hits and it's like, okay, here's the big bad. Oh, wait, we didn't develop the big bad. Oh, these monsters don't feel threatening. Oh, there's no people running around New York, so no one's in danger. <laughs> oh, they're doing a conga line or something. Like, it's just, you know, it's kind of like, oh, here, we're going to make a reference to something we did earlier in the movie that we didn't really develop much, so you don't have that much attachment to it, but it's supposed to be a big laugh, so you can tell this movie's been chopped to death. Oh, well, <laughs> you know. But, like, the first the first two-thirds of it are fine. They're great, you know. I don't know. I just couldn't, I like I couldn't I get into that. it. Yeah. I couldn't get into it. I remember watching... Uh, it, just, it was one of those that felt forced things. Like, yeah. yeah. The characters. Like, like, y'all had to do... Like, you felt like you had to do it. And then the, the gender it reversal was, was super That's forced. That's what felt super forced about it. I don't know. Like, I, everyone, it, was like, like, it was like an alternate universe where those four people are women. 
makes total sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. However, it was almost like you be, they became caricatures of themselves. Exactly. Like that one girl that's on Saturday Night seriously. Live. Well, the two girls are on Saturday Night Live. Kristen Wiig and then... Uh, yeah. yeah. No, no. Well, I guess three of them. Three, so three of them. It's three people. It's, it's basically Saturday Night Live and Melissa McCarthy hosting an episode of, of Ghostbusters. Yeah, Saturday Night Live. Exactly. That may be why it sucked. That's that may probably be, it. Those that might be what it was. Well. That was actually a five minute Saturday Night Live sketch. And somebody was like, wait. Stretched out. Let's do this whole thing. They came up with that when Melissa McCarthy hosted. Because I think Melissa McCarthy's funny. They're all funny. I think. I, I didn't think she was funny until recently, like, and I think it's the roles that she was taking, like, and her Sean Spicer is fucking amazing. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, that was the thing, because, like, I, I've i only, like, recently uh, come around to liking her, because, like, for a long time, like, I, I just, I hated anything she did, you yeah. know? Um, and I, I was so happy, because, like, when I saw the announcement, I was like, Leslie Jones... Hell yeah. You know, Kate McKinnon? Hell yeah. Kristen Wiig? Hell yeah. Melissa McCarthy? No! Why? You know. I hate Leslie Jones. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. I mean. I do. Yeah. Was it just not, not. Because yeah, Leslie Jones is, 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 is everything good and bad about black people. Yes. <laughs> it is. That is why I hate Leslie Jones. It's just, it's almost like. I don't even know what the white equivalent is. There isn't one. No, there is. There is. Every culture has one. Me and always talk about the show. Amy Schumer. Amy Schumer. Yes. Oh, yes. 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 Amy Schumer is. Yeah, that may be what we were talking. Because Schumer was on Colbert last night, so oh. we were talking about this, and it was like there's something very normal about them, and it's Ooh. very, very you know, not even every man, but it's just it's like you're just a regular fucking person, <laughs> and you're almost here for like regular people. You're here for muggles. You're not really here for like. The super attractive elitist <laughs> artist community that used to exist. You're just like I'm like a regular person now. But I don't know. There's like but, it's like like Leslie Jones is someone that I can literally go into like downtown Baltimore and find. But she's also someone that I can go into a million college campuses across this country and find too. Mm-hmm. She's someone I can go into a million ghettos in this country and find as well. Like you know, I mean, there's literally something about her which replicates across all classes and all cultures. And I'm like, I think that's what I don't like about you. You, you, you are everything. And I'm like, I hate that shit. It's <laughs> not distinct enough. It kind of sounds. Yeah, like- it's it's like it's like you know. But then I don't know. It, it's she's just very over the top. I think they, I think they, 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 they position her. They try to they they it's almost there's so black it's people have black right black people have this really weird thing where culturally it's like you know everybody's like man I can't wait to have more black faces on TV. But then it's like you know they put fucking Catch Me Outside girl on TV and it's mm. like. Girl, she's not black, but same fucking thing. But you know what I mean? It's like, you know what I mean? It's 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 like that. You know what I mean? It's like when we were kids, you know, it would be like we watch our peers on Ricky Lake and Jerry Springer. And, you know, we're like, this is what they're showing us on TV. We don't see black positive role models. And, you know what I mean? Leslie Jones gets in. Often she is shown to be um, a sex crazed black caricature of a person as opposed to i'm like i've never met a black woman mm-hmm. like act a bit the, like I, I wouldn't even i wouldn't even hang out with somebody who would behave and act like you. that's kind of like her stand-up though because she does that exactly yeah, yeah, she does that's that. the thing blackness is a gimmick in comedy is a thing in itself and that's why leslie jones is a problem because as a woman comedian she's not because she does do all of the stuff the traditional woman community is over the top she's always extra horny no one ever wants it blah 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 and it's stuff like that though everything funny about her in normal life is definitely offensive as shit so like you said you wouldn't be friends with nobody like like she's horrible kind of 
to Again, men that's like and Asian women. Humor too. Right, but you that's, that's, that's the brand, right? <laughs> right. It's like, but that's the brand. That Asian is the brand. Went to Talisman, the, along with Megan. Yeah, that is the brand. Time, of, I think. Not at the same time. She's like older than me. I think. Yeah. No, but she graduated. It was like a close overlap. She went to college, like I think. It might have been a close overlap. Yeah, but um. So it's like, so you have this comedian like that, and it's fine. Like I said, that's fine and humor as it is. However, she was placed on Saturday Night Live. Saturday Night Live has a long history of the black comedians they put there. And it is why black people don't like this show. Because black people then end up, it's a, it's like a objectification sort of thing. Like, oh, look, well, we gave you a black person. You should be happy, right? But all the stuff they're doing is like stuff white people want to laugh at black people for mm. so it's still kind of like okay like you said yay we're happy because you put black people on the show yay but at the same time what that's doing for said image of black comedians is useless and nothing so when it comes to leslie jones now that's why in this era it's particularly it's like not even a cash 22 it's like a cash 22 squared like a million times because you have this and it's wonderful that she is a black comedian who was able to do that that's big and huge but the image that she is then portraying all the time is the black person who's funny. That's not me mm-hmm. as a black woman. So I'm sitting there like, well, no. But the cool white people at the water cool like, hey, LOL, this, that, and the third because black person Leslie Jones said it. And it's like, you're still doing it. <laughs> like, you're still doing it wrong. I'd rather she just not be there because it's not, it's a certain like crass type of thing. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm not against no type of crass humor. It's like my favorite shit. I'm not, I'm not like on some prude shit with that. Like that's not the problem. It's just, I guess, it's packaging and marketing, and that's what kind of fucks it up. Because I remember when you're dealing, especially with that show in particular, it is just marketing. This isn't exactly real comedy. This is shined up for the people who remember to stay up late, you know, mm-hmm. to watch it. It's like this is a different thing, but it has so much power in comedy. And again, you 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 hit Saturday Night Live. You're in movies. You're on everything. That's what it is for the rest of your contract. So, I don't know. She is just kind of like black Amy Schumer to me. I kind of hate her the same way. I hate Amy Schumer way more though. I don't know what that's about. <laughs> I think it is the. I think it is the Towson. I think it's the. I think it's. I think it's the Towson thing that did it. When I because when I found that out, I was like, oh hell no, because I hate. But it made so it made so much sense because I also hated all the people who went to Towson because they are just like that. Mm. And I was like, it, it is the same thing. That's exactly what the fuck being on college campus at Towson is like. So I think that might be it just triggers me into remembering like being in the library like oh my god these people <laughs> this is it this is who I'm sitting next to all the time like but. I've uh, I've looked at it's also hard like the history of black comedy right. and you know the lack for lack of a better term like the affirmative action of Saturday Night Live mm-hmm. because it was like you know you guys are following like Garrett Morris and Eddie Murphy with now a bunch of people who were just kind of randoms and it was like you know granted saturday night i was always surprised at like random but it was like no there's a certain level of talent and caliber like kel is the most Keenan. famous i think keenan whatever i always get them confused <laughs> they're the same person to me but they, oh, Jesus <laughs> one of them has meltdowns in churches about aren't so now and one of them is on saturday night live there's a huge difference and that's exactly why that happened though this is true this is true but you also know, nick cannon remember nick cannon is the third one of those two that everyone always forgets about Nikana was on Good Burger. Nikana no. was not on Good Burger, but back when um Nickelodeon was doing that, and because important to remember, all that was child Saturday Night Live. Right. 
that was just where they it's it was the exact same program they just had it for the kid for um, kids, actors yeah. instead. So can you, you get slimed on the, it's all that too, couldn't you? I'm sorry. Can you get slimed on that show? No, that wasn't a slimy show. Mm-hmm. That was only sketch comedy, but there okay. were other ones. Okay. But so for Keenan and Kel, they've gotten their start basically out of that. Again, another thing that was a skit that turned into a movie, it turned into a whole thing. But when they were doing that, when there was like Keenan and Kel, the person they lived with was Nick Cannon. Nick Cannon was also involved in Nickelodeon, but he he came later and he wasn't on the original. He wasn't on any of the um all that stuff. He came doing something else on Nickelodeon. I don't remember what his first thing was, but the three of them lived together. Like they were like they were like us and shit, in his stuff. It was Keenan Callow. <laughs> it was Keenan Callow that and just so they were kind of inseparable and it was kind of a whole thing. And that is part of what caused issues as they moved forward because we obviously know where Nick Cannon went. People love to hate him, but Nick Cannon's the man. He ended up like damn near owning you know Nickelodeon. Mm-hmm. Keenan ended up disappearing for a while, but ended up cool because within some years he ended up back on Saturday Night Live. He's did he he went to Disney Road. Yeah, he yeah he the did. Mighty Ducks too. Right, he did, he went he he, he turned really to an actor. Yeah, that was really what pushed him away from, in my opinion, that whole situation was when he was in Mighty Ducks too, and the other one wasn't. And I was like, whoa, Kel, right? <laughs> Kel, though, I think that yeah, I was like, I was like, I think that band just broke up. Kel, like, <laughs> that's more or less kind of it because Kel did not seek <clears throat> such luck, and he had the trap of being relegated to Who Loves Iron Soda, even still. So he kind of got stuck doing the. He's the bu- he's a buffoon though. Sort of, yeah. The other one wasn't really the buffoon. The other one was supposed to be like the straight lace one. You know, he just ended up doing the comedy shows at Bowling Alley route instead, kind of. And it it fucked him up. But they end up getting like this whole fight and shit. And then that's why they're not. And that apparently is the reason why there's never been all that reunion and all that because Keenan's like, I do not fuck with him. I don't want to be near him at all. And Kel's just kind of like, I'm just poor. You know, and Loving so he, so stuff. then he went back to church though. No, that's, that, he he did that one. He went back to the church. It was a a, pa- a pastor thing for a little while or something, but still talking about the orange. So it is really like I don't know if I want to call it disturbing, but kind of it's like, it's a, like a weird soda, thing to <laughs> the cult like, of orange soda. sort I mean, of. But it was just more so like that's how he had to carry his career, like, and he's still doing that because he's obviously like the orange. He's like a ventriloquist. The orange soda is the dummy. Yeah. But it's like the only thing that, like, if there is no mention of orange soda, Kel is not doing it. Like, it's integral that that's, it's just like, so you, well, you that's never like how people move. recognize him, I guess. Right. Like, it's like uh, you never were able to, Keenan different. Like, we all know he's from Good Burger, but now at this point in time, you see Keenan outside, you can name, you know, you're like, oh, Black he's on this commercial. Right. He's on this commercial. He's on these skits, blah, blah, he's blah. He's like Alex Trebek. Yeah. yeah. And that's, I'm like, that's, that's like a big deal. Again, it's, it's, the, it's the packaging thing, though. Kel doesn't have that. So, you know, all that. Well, I think if you go back and look at Keenan and Kel, at the time, Kel was the one that kids thought was funny, right? Mm-hmm. Like, Keenan kind of, like... He went the fat route. He was just the fat one. Yeah, and he was... he was a straight man, you know, like right, Sean was saying. Exactly. Yeah, and um, I think you can... Because you can put a straight man in anything, right? And that that's the thing that Saturday Night Live writers talk about is say that, like, they often lean on writing the words, you know, Keenan reacts, and that's the punchline, you know, just him making a face at something, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So that's mm-hmm. kind of a universal skill, whereas Cal kind of was stuck. You can read scripts. Doing mm-hmm. orange soda of, and, right. his, you know, the Welcome to Good Burger, oh, which is a, like a white stoner character, basically, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. But, I, I made that kind of what Didn't we make that last time we but watched that's kind it? Of what needs, at the, at he's everything Spicoli. Of, I mean, he's Spicoli. Right, but that's yeah. everything of Nickelodeon. Nickelodeon is inherently, oh, yeah. or inherently was this white thing. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and 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 this, you know, this is it's it's so I don't know. It's very fascinating to consider like children's programming and what we were all exposed to. But I also, I know for a fact, you know, what I mean, like it's not. It's I don't think I've ever seen anything racist on Nickelodeon, or even anything remotely close to a caricature of racism. But whereas on Cartoon Network, you see that shit like all day. On Boomerang, you see it all day long I'm because. Sure. You know, but it was very interesting to, I was to think about. To say what you mean? Because they showed Looney Tunes back then. That was like almost a good. Nickelodeon didn't show. Yes, they did. Let's not do it. Nickelodeon didn't show Looney Tunes. Yes, they did. You say versus thought David and Noam came on PBS. Listen to me. Well, no, I confirmed that it did come on MPT. It just primarily what you were talking about came on Nick Jr. David and Noam came on cable. Yes, it came on Nick Jr. But it also had a Pinwheel came that. on PBS. Yes, that's true too. That's also true. But did y'all know that we pay for PBS out of our taxes? No, yeah, I think everybody yeah. knows that, Sean. Yeah, <laughs> I just learned this shit. That's, all right? What does the P stand for? Come on, bro. I, like, thought, they, I thought they got the money from a fucking tele from the telethons, man. All right. Uh, okay. Well, yeah. I mean, they well, did. that's the part. Yeah, that's part that's of it. Thing. So then, you know, I mean, they important. were like, they were like, Trump's gonna cut off PBS. I'm like, cut that shit off. I don't want that shit to come out my fucking taxes. Well, it doesn't matter because they don't. Show I got shit. kids and they don't watch fucking watch PBS. <laughs> okay. <laughs> when they stopped showing freaking Sesame Street, I was like, oh, it's a rap. Like, I don't ever need. Yeah, Sesame Street got bought by HBO. Yeah, I yeah, was it's like, probably the death knell right there. Yeah, seriously, that happened like uh, four years ago now or some shit. I was like, and Downtown Abbey's also gone off air. Oh yeah, fuck that. That was that was. Down that Abby was white people's favorite thing for a very long. <laughs> it was, I, I had heard a lot about White people love Downton Abbey. He could not, he could not, not watch that show, and he was infuriated that I wouldn't even just a little bit. And I was like, he would put it on the office sometimes, like just watch it's the greatest show ever. And I'm like, you guys just like it because it reminds you of your great 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 granddads or whatever. <laughs> this is like horrible for me. Like think about me in this time. Like would I enjoy this ever? No, I'm like cleaning your shit toilets at this yeah. time. And then he's like, no, not some you want to Because it's a cultural this and blah blah blah, and it's so good. And I'm like, this show will put me to sleep within about ten minutes of it being on every time, <laughs> without fail, no matter what time of day it was. And I was like, this just isn't the one for me. I don't have to like all things. It's I'm glad okay. that we're talking about race and scripts and acting because this can easily segue into Walt. Did you read or listen to Steve Bannon's hip hop musical? No. What? Goddamn! I, I, so I, I saw a headline and <laughs> so I read. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. Uh, what were some of the characters' names? It was like they're really bad. No, like, well, the, it's a remake of Shakespeare's Cor. You're a writer. You may know Coronel, Coronel, Coronelis, Coronelis. I don't know. That's not what I know. I don't know. It's what a Shakespeare, is. but he remade a Shakespearean play using the L.A. riots as like the the backdrop. Of wow. Uh, uh, there was so the uh, names aren't changed it's it's almost like the romeo and juliet situation coriolanus coriolanus that is the name of the shakespearean play so he doesn't change any of the names i don't think but he just no, changes. no they have because he there was a little description of like the characters and there was a thing where it was like he wrote as a character description like uh, abandon all hope ye who fuck with her yeah and, like which <laughs> but, I that's a, was but the name the names were at least the one I was reading when they were reading it seemed like the names were they were the oh, original they? play names because but it was like it was like but he he was using these super surreal like you know versions of them though. man that shit is good though mm. so are you guys planning on putting on a production of that at some point or no, but I am <laughs> I am going to do a live and action reenactment of Trap in the Closet though. Yes. I'm currently casting actors for this right now. <laughs> so, I think Sean and I used to talk about that we wanted to make a band that was just our Kelly breakdowns. Sure. Like no, no other parts <laughs> of the song. Like we would just do the the talking breakdowns. Yeah. 
<laughs> like the talk sing kind of idea. <laughs> That's a quality idea. Yeah. Just like picture, well, no, picture your night. You roll up, right? And you hear this music start, and you know, like, no big to do, right? And it's like, hey there, Mr. Big. <laughs> you know, like, for like a half hour, though, right? <laughs> you know? I think it'll work. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we had so we had a lot of really really good ideas back in those days though. We were gonna name a band Kevin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We were gonna name our band Kevin. That's yes. right. That's right. We were gonna also we also had a name. But it wasn't Kevin. pronounced Kevin. No, it was it was it was like you had to, you say it for, for several bars. <laughs> yeah, it was like Kevin. <laughs> but we so couldn't figure out how to write that. Yeah. So. Mm. Just a lot of eyes. Yeah. I guess. All right, so um, that that was a nice digression. What uh? That'll all be edited out. Oh hell no, that's staying in there. So Quality what? If you haven't well. seen, if you, seriously guys, if you haven't listened to the Steve Bannon thing, I I implore you to. It's a good quality twenty minutes. Your 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 eyebrows will raise a yeah. couple of times. Like one of the black women when she was reading it, she said she had to stop and she said, "I'm sorry." I've never read anything like this ever in my life. And that was an amazing moment to me because this woman was an actress. And these were serious actors too. This was like people of stage and film. So these were not people who had, you know, were unfamiliar with prose and ancient literature and a a myriad forms of writing. So for her in 2017 to say, I have never read anything like this and we should be speaking like this more was I was like, yes, yes. I'm sampling a lot of it, though. I'm going to make a bunch of music. Do it. it. Do it. Because <laughs> they say some wild shit there. I want to hear that. So oh, what are you guys working on now? What's coming up next? Um. Well, uh, we're looking for jobs, mostly. So if anyone has any that you want some really fun people to work at, that'd be, yeah. that'd be it. But uh, no, um, we could turn this into like an interview kind of situation. Do you want to go through your skills and no, references? It, it, and... it, it reads like too much of a Wikipedia entry. I don't really have yeah. time for that right now. We uh, need two separate shows for that. Um, we're, we're trying to, uh, you know, make, make more music uh, all the time. Uh, Megan has to play uh, a few times this month. Uh, I'll be in the Arch Social Club um, this coming Friday, which is like a historically black establishment. Uh, it was first incorporated in like 1902, um, you know, uh, and it is, I've never been, in, I've never even been in the building and I'm 35 and you know, it's, it's been in its current location since 72. Um, and, uh, I don't know, it always, it's, it's, a, it's on Pennsylvania North Avenue. So it is a part of the storied history of that particular area in terms of, uh, it's black culture and black art. So guys like Cab Calloway used to go there and nice. you catch Billy Holiday hanging out in there. So, you know, it's, it means a lot to me as a young black person to even be able to walk in that motherfucker, let alone play music in there. Um, so, you know, that's coming up. Uh, I'll be performing also at the Abilities Network, uh, which is next Friday. The Abilities Network is a special needs um, facility that works with people with disabilities uh, to help them with job training and just, you know, life stuff, um, you know, and uh, they like to party and have a good time, though. So that's always that's always really cool. Uh Megan is doing um, like a bondism party coming up. What's that about? A what? Is that the thing you're talking about in Green Lantern? Yes. Okay. What did you call it? What did you just say? The bondism. Bondism. Yes. Is that what that's called? No. Or are you not at all? You no. just saying you just picking words because yeah. I was like, what I do? Yeah. <laughs> um. 
No. Because <clears throat> I think 14th, if you call it a bondage party, that means it seems like everybody's like, you got to be tied up for entry. So if I just call it a bondism party, it's like... Well, okay. So that word, I guess, isn't completely wrong. It's just misleading. And the fact that people may think that you're talking about 007 James Bond. And... <laughs> That's the first thing that I thought. See? So it's like... <laughs> I thought everybody had to show up, dressed in a suit, <laughs> mm-hmm. drinking a shaken, not stirred martini. Right? Uh-huh. Yeah, and things that explode mm-hmm. that usually wouldn't. Wrong. Exactly. Um, no, I'm playing... A, how do I turn? Okay, so there is a party that it will be in D.C. And it is hosted by a group of people who are proponents for... The queer and trans black people hanging out and things in DC area. However, there is a special little upon it's a it's a uh I guess a crossroads of that scene and then yes your bondage and kink scene as well. Not inherently the same thing, but the organizers of this seek to bring these things together because it is a thing to bring together. But at the same time, it is just kind of a big party. So they've set up this monthly event. What? What is it? They said bondism actually. I know. That's how I no, was but no, it is a definition. The James right. Bond thing is actually also a definition of bondage. I know. That's why I was like, again, there needs to be some contextual but help you get the, because the, by default we will think of the not bondage what I stuff. The bondage about. stuff is also part of a bondism is also yes. an yes. actual definition yes. of apparently that how that goes. So yeah, I think that is my next show. It'll be interesting because it's on Mommy's Day. It's a Mommy's Day day party. Oh. It, Right, all oh, but th- this event is a monthly. It just all oh, so happens, right? It just happens to fall on Mother's Day this year. But yeah, it is a place that's in this cool club, and they encourage you, you know, to come in various wear of that environment. So last time I was there, there was definitely a guy in his. I guess it was his slave situation because he was wearing several chain type of things, and he did have a leash, and he was sitting on the floor. So it was obviously where he was supposed to be at the time. Um, there was you know some. <laughs> rope tying situation going on while everybody like so much work to me though there's all these like buckles and things it is a lot like... but that's that's apparently part of the whole thing about oh, it sure because yeah. you know if that's your slave thing and you're putting in that work for that that's why you know the slave thing is like right you know i guess it's kind yeah. of like hot routers right like you know you put all that work into your car you're gonna take it to the car show you're gonna yeah. you're gonna like <laughs> you're you're not doing this for nothing the fuck <laughs> it's you know it's, when i was it was funny last time i was there they were um there was somebody tying you know tying rope or whatever and making knots but what happened somebody made a knot and they couldn't get it out oh, God. and it was like a t- i remember because i was playing i was playing music and I was looking at these group of three guys, and they were standing close together. It was like kind of darkish, and they were not really, you know, it's a club. So I, I saw them doing something, and I'm like, I thought they were kind of just, you know, just being around each other. But eventually, I came around out the booth, and I looked at them, and they were all intensely like concentrating on something. So I'm like, the fuck is this a book? I'm like, do you, do you have like a, <laughs> is there like a ceremony going on? Like what? So I went, and they were all like with this rope, and I'm like. What y'all doing? You know, it's like, well, you know, what's going on? And they're like, we're trying to get this knot out. No, what? That, it was really, yeah, I'm like, well, what are y'all doing? Because they weren't dancing and they weren't paying attention to anything else, but they were definitely talking to each other and they were, so I'm like, are y'all just best friends forever? Like, is this a click? Like, or are y'all doing something? Is it something I should be watching? Because it was that type of thing. I'm like, wait, are y'all like doing something? It was really just that somebody like kind of incorrectly did a knot and they were trying to teach them, but the knot that was created was one of the most epic of knots. And they were really oh, standing God. there for over 20 minutes because I know, like, when I started, when I noticed them, trying to get this knot out. And I'm like, well, this is what y'all do in the middle of y'all day. <laughs> y'all come out to a bar, 
and get a couple drinks and then make a night that you can't get out. <laughs> and it's it was so much strength too, because it's like, you know, rope like to me like to tie a whole situation and that I was, was fucking it, it was. It was just like I was like, "Oh yeah, so now y'all were having Boy Scouts there." And then I thought, and I was like, "This is gonna go. This is one of the conversations that in this room in this environment with these people, mm-hmm. the things I'm saying won't work yeah. in the traditional way." So I'm gonna just walk away. And I was like, "Y'all, good luck with the night. I'm usually good at this, but this is a different type of night. <laughs> so I'm, I'm gonna just go back to the DJ booth and finish what I'm supposed to be doing in here." Yeah, it's like I, I grew up around like sailors and stuff like that. So when you started talking about like people tying knots, I just think like you know like tying up rigging or something that's like what I'm that. You know what that's I mean? what it so, seemed like. Cause it but was... I'm just picturing like the Gordon's fisherman there with like you know uh, <laughs> like a leather daddy or something like that. Like seriously, like that's <laughs> it's 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 such a it's such a cool it it's such a cool thing because it's like I know that this event is crazy because um, like I said, it is a monthly event. And it's a new it is a new monthly event. So this one's actually the third or fourth one. I want this one's the fourth one. I played the one last month and they were telling me that it was they were really bummed and that's kinda why I'm playing it again because not that many people came. Mm. And they were blown by this because they were like, No, the first month, like you couldn't it was like shoulder to shoulder in here. And the second month it wasn't shoulder to shoulder, but it was definitely like super, super lit the whole time. This time it was just like just didn't you know, just that many people didn't come. But from what they were explaining to me, they're like this is one of those like it, it, it damn near more <laughs> is almost like DJing like a sex party mm-hmm. than DJing like a party party. Not necessarily because of that, but just what's going on or what like they imagine would go on in this if everybody came and participated. So it's always like interesting <laughs> in these kinds of things. Yeah, because you have to watch and then you have to learn though. Because then in some places it's like, well, the fact that they're not dancing right now is not an insult to your DJ skills. As in some rooms, it would absolutely be an insult to your DJ skills if you were dancing. Like if no one's dancing. And this one is like, okay, well, no one's dancing because they're busy tying each other up. Right. Or, or getting ready to like paddle somebody or something. And you don't dance through that, I guess. No. So it's like, well, let me just provide the soundtrack to... I'm just gonna keep playing music and see if anybody seems upset. Mm-hmm. No one seems upset, so I must be doing a good job. Okay. Um, before we wrap things up, I, I wanted to talk to you guys about uh, playing in Baltimore versus some other areas because, uh, Maggie, you you went on tour to Canada and everything. So, what was sure, that crowd yeah. like? Ma'am. So, okay, so that crowd, specifically the, the Toronto people? Yeah, what was right. that? Because that is the furthest. That was further than Canada? Mm, we established that Canada and Texas is like, roughly like the same the same distance, distance away, yeah. yeah. So those would be the two. And that's a good juxtaposition, too. The two furthest away places we've played from home. One is Toronto and one is Dallas, Texas. And they are almost equal distance from my origin. But so wildly different in probably every way. Mm-hmm. But Toronto, specifically... It's probably my favorite place. And I don't know if it's just because it's in another country. Probably not. Toronto really is like nice America. It's crazy. <laughs> Everyone is super, super pleasant. Like, they go out of their... Even when they're mad. I witnessed a fight. A fight? Like, I witnessed, like, an altercation. And I swear on everything, the fight was about somebody wasn't polite to somebody else. Oh, man. And the guy was really upset that he offended these ladies. Were they like throwing punches and then saying sorry? After? No, but there there was a lot of there was a lot of 
I don't mean any disrespect by this, but like in the front, <laughs> and it was funny because it was a bouncer. It was a bouncer arguing with like a patron, and so I'm sitting here watching this this guy argue with essentially the bouncer for this restaurant that we were about to go into. And I'm looking like, wow, at Baltimore, the, the bouncer would have, like, shot him already. Like, oh, fuck, throw him shit. out. Like, he was, like, it just would have been over. But they were having this whole long, drawn-out argument, and they were trying not to yell at each other. And they were trying to be really just respectful, but you could tell they are, like, really angry. And <laughs> it was, like, the slowest fight to watch. But then halfway through, I was, like, I started actually listening to what they were arguing about. And I was, like, this is an argument about being polite. It's amazing. Yeah. And I was like, it's true. <laughs> it's true. This is that. But um but no, so we got we got booked up there because it was for um Canadian Music Week, which is one of their big fancy music festivals. It's like apparently one of the longest running oldest ones in the um they the the um the festival itself has its own festival events, but it's something to kinda like self by and then even like, you know, the artscape and the crap that goes on back home, it kind of melts into the city. So all of the the venues and all of the clubs and all of the anywhere anybody plays music kind of has their own, this is a Canadian Music Week thing and allow them to get tracked actually onto the real festival. Some of them don't. Well, there was a, um, there was a group of promoters and music folk there and they were putting together, you know, a showcase for it. They somehow became enraptured in the idea of Remembering the Underground Railroad, the Great Harriet Tubman, because that is a big deal, but a bigger deal up in Canada than we may realize because, well, it's how black people got up there, period. So the way that they like learn about Harriet Tubman is huge. It's kind of like the way like we learn about Christopher Columbus. Mm. Like they close schools for her. There's days like every first grader knows who Harriet Tubman, you know, it's like that type of thing. Um, so they had this theme where they were going to kind of recreate that line, um, like the line that she traveled, you know, bringing the slaves and such up through North America into Canada with music. So we, through various means, I don't even remember how that happened. They come through. I don't remember. Got, you know, got contacted is basically to serve as a representation of music from Baltimore. Trans like a kombucha drinking version of what? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I have to think about that and process it carefully. Yeah, I can see if possibly take a, take you and like 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 mellow r- you rinse out. you through like the hippie filter. Yeah, no. real real hard. Like yoga. Have you ever had kombucha? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I thought. <laughs> let, let the record show that was stunned silence. But uh, yeah, no, my buddy Trev. Um, I've known Trevor for a while now, actually. Uh, very supportive musically. Um, our teacher up in Canada. He's from Eastern the Eastern Shore. He's from Chestertown. Okay. And uh, he relocated to Toronto with his lady friend. And he's tried to. He's become a member of the uh, of the of the of the, of the collaborative uh, group that we have, which uh, which which came to me. You know, was inspired by Walt and. and What's the name of the group? Um, it doesn't really have one. He's a, oh, okay. He's a, he's a producer. Yeah. And so he's he works with like he works with artists. You know, in a similar capacity. Um, they know each other from old old creepy DJ message boards from back in back in the old days. Um, Is that what they were called? They uh, well, there's a there's a Vice article or noisy article about it. But um, I used to be on a message board called uh, Holotronics, um, and Holotronics was Diplo's moving party in Philadelphia. 
Um, and the only reason we were all on the message board together is because we used to all go to the party to each other. And this was how you found out where the party was going to be next. Um, and this is also how you kept up with like these DJs. And it was very sur- a very surreal place to be on the internet because this was like just before Mad Decent became what it is today um, and Fool's Gold became what it is today. And to see these guys sit in their living rooms and on the internet say what they were going to do and to watch them watch accomplish this, you know, 15 years later is, is all very fascinating. Um, but no, Travis is a really good guy. Uh, and, um, you know, we, we there's a bunch of us that live in kind of, you know, all these places and our entire goal is assisting independent music with mm-hmm. being able to move around. Mm-hmm. Um, and it means a lot to have someone, you know, on, on that level who is our peer and we can relate to, we can communicate with, you know, in Canada because that means that now, you know, we can go to Canada. And it, at the very least, we have someone there who can, you know, show us where to get, like, poutine. <laughs> dude, I love poutine. <sighs> really? You like that? Yeah. I love it, dude. You go to Clark Burger? Yeah, you go to Clark Burger? Yeah, man. You like it? Oh, yeah. Well, I like the poutine anyway. Poutine is good. I'd, 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 I'd go back. I want to go back, but it is one of those things, like, everyone's like, oh, you got to try the poutine. I'm like, I will, whatever. Everybody knows that. But I actually ate it, like, the real, the real Canadian poutine, how they do that, and I'm like, I understand. I see, (laughs) I see the reason why you all are so passionate and why Crazy Fries is a complete slap in the face, (laughs) and I should never, ever utter, like, any of those terms in reference to, yeah, all that. It's like, oh, they get so upset, like, this isn't disco fries, okay, whatever you Americans say. I'm like, hey, like, you know, just let me know. It's not nacho cheese, on there, right? I guess. It's a whole thing, <laughs> but no, going up there, it was. I we've DJed before, obviously, you know, and it had always been kind of home, or it had been, you know, in places like home, like Philly, you know, or place, you know, things that are really similar to where we're from, because we were going someplace that knew what it was and knew what you know we basically were about to do. Going up there was specifically different, though, because. It wasn't a showcasey format where it was as though I was then an exhibit because I'm coming specifically from this place all the way over here to bring music from all the way over here and play it. And this is a place where no one from down here goes, you know, to Canada. You know, so they've never seen actually what a DJ DJing Baltimore club music would look and feel like. They've only heard this sitting in YouTube. They've only heard this downloading music from the internet because they are that far away. Um, and it was the wildest thing being up there and playing music from home, like actually from Baltimore, from Baltimore people. And they knew the words. Wow. That's and it cool. was like, okay. You know, and it was kind of one of those, this is as real as anybody could pretend to think it is, honestly. Because once again, I am in another country. I am 15 hours on a bus away from home. I think it was, yeah. You know, I think it was if we don't, if we don't stop. And here I am standing in the club in Toronto, down the street from where Drake hang out at. Like, (laughs) and I'm playing a song that here is, here is known as locally though. Here it's just, oh, whatever you just, you know, and they know it. So it's like, it is a wild experience to actually see the creations of what, you know, again, like people just kind of do when they live around Mm -hmm. and cause that's where we're at. You know, and just kind of make around each other and make within the community. And it seems real amongst the 20 peers you have. But that's all it is. Mm-hmm. And you know it's all it is. But then to actually get the chance to go not even just states away, now time zones away, now even countries away, and do that same thing and see not only the same level of reaction, but in, in many cases a bigger one. 
because it is novelty to them because they don't see it. We live in the shit, so we take it extremely like we live and breathe and like it falls off of us. Yeah. You go out there, it's or anywhere else, it's rare because it's not there. So that was that was kind of like that's probably the the best go away and tell a story about playing music thing because you could go all the way that far away and being a DJ. Again, it's a little different because while we do and have begun to create our own music, the majority of the shit we play is somebody else's. That's why we're DJs. Right. So it is bringing the, no, I'm bringing all these people with me to play this and see how they react. And it, it, it can be a bigger feeling thing because it's like, it is the service thing. Yeah, you're like I'm the ambassador. Doing, that's right. Yeah. And that's how they see it because they're like, tell us everything. Tell us all this, you know, like, can you bring more um, I brought a um, artist with us who is from here as well and they were just like there's probably there's so there's probably so much more of you because it's just y'all too you know who else how else when else and there it is that like people i have um i met artists up there who are now like you know whenever they get a chance to come down to the country they're trying to come to baltimore and you know play and make those same type of connections i was mad because last week one of the girls who was on the showcase that I was with actually was in dc oh really mm-hmm. and i was annoyed it was the weekend i was in dc too like it, but it was just how you know quick people had to move around or whatever. Oh, you couldn't meet up. You're so, okay. I, I didn't figure out she was here until like the last day she was here, and I was like, I've been sitting right next to you this entire time, <laughs> and I haven't seen you. Since. It was about a year ago, almost the date that. Um, Nicole Planet's headline that show. Oh, nice. nice. Oh yeah, right. Okay, yeah. The the. So I told Megan too. I was like, no, this is like a big deal. Like, Nicole Planet's headline show. She was like, that was one of the weird things about it because, like I said, how the festivals are. We know how festivals go. Right. We know how festival events go, and it's like, no, just because you booked this club the same weekend as the festival does not mean this is a festival event. So when we got booked on it, there was a couple of weeks up for me. I remember where I was trying to determine how real of a festival event it was. And you don't want to get like a fire fest situation, <laughs> all kinds of stuff, you know, all kinds of situations. But you know, being in another country, and I knew this was in a club, you know, it was like blah blah. It was in a club restaurant, so it was like, okay, this can go in tons of different ways. Um, but once I actually figured out what it was, it was like, oh, okay, this is a real thing. And when I looked at the um, we were looking at the showcase, it was a weekend full of events, like there was a Friday night event. And I wasn't on that one, but I got called in to last minute, like house DJ, open it for a second. But the showcase that we were actually on was the Saturday one, but the Friday one did have um, what's his name from that? Who, who were they? Diggable Planets. It's it's old stuff. They they care about this. That's Wait. what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. I'm like I know it was one of those. I know what this is, but I don't know what this is. But Holy I now shit. share a bill with this item. What are you doing tomorrow? Uh, yeah. going to see Diggable Planets or what's going on? <laughs> so tomorrow what's night, I am teching for Method Man and the Red Man at Ramshead. No, you're not. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> and this is what my life has become. You literally <laughs> yep. sat here and you were like, what are you doing? I'm like, like nothing. Really. Oh yeah, nothing. Yeah, tomorrow, like, no. Oh, Method yeah, Man and the Red Man at Ramshead. Yeah. Uh, that's that's awesome. the type of shit we forget about. Yeah. Um, well, like, uh, you know, well, we're not playing. We're not performing. We're all, I'm just, I'm consulting. Yeah, um, gotcha. The promoter uh, was like, you know, I got a rider and it has this equipment on here. And it's, pretty, it's pretty specific, you mm-hmm. know. So people are now being told, around, you know, around, you know, if you need certain things to call us. 
but for the, we're talking about rap music and like old rap music. But um, Kelsey's a huge Wu Tang fan. Wu Tang Clan fan. Yeah. Walt is also a fan of the Wu Tang Clan, but yes. Kelsey loves the Wu Tang Clan. <laughs> I do. And, I do uh, love me some M E T H O D man. What was she was doing something? They were we we caught them last year for free at the Atheist Rally. Nice. Which was very surreal because there was a video about accepting Batman as your Lord and Savior. It was too much for me. I didn't really get that was satire or it's for real. I don't care. And so I just kept watching. Into either way. Uh, but I don't know if that uh, and after the that, the Wu Tang Clan ran out, and I was like, "That's all super surreal." That's amazing. Which yeah, no, Digable Plan is what she opened up for uh, for those guys, and she had I think she DJ for them, or he had a DJ or something like that. No, I got the DJ on his dick equipment though, yeah. so that's good enough. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> because they they had to get the equipment for him. That was because he's there, the super headliner statement, mm-hmm. and got fancy stuff. And me being in there, I was like, "Well." He's a here, and I'm also from this not was, uh, this country. That was the that was another slickest thing about it. It was I don't know if it was the first, but it was the most substantial time when it was one of those. Wait, it is like that rock star shit you see on TV because I am on tour and I am not from here, mm-hmm. and so y'all do have to take care of me because <laughs> you brought me up here. Like- yeah, so it was like you no, know, we do have somebody who you know was trying to more or less you know like make sure that we were driven around like the places and nice. there were people making sure like we we got we got stuck there for a day oh how'd that happen well both us and their website is not your friend mm. ever um especially when you're trying to do things quickly and what happened was the it was the last day we were supposed to be there, and it was fine. We just had to figure out how to get home. No biggie. And the reason why that was up in the air was because there was a chance that after our shows in Canada, we were going to basically stay north again and go back into New York. And because there was like a show in upstate New York, like that, mm-hmm. uh, uh, um, yeah, shows, sometimes yeah, shows Buffalo, yeah, something like that. Buffalo Rogers is the same fucking place, more or less, <laughs> but um. So from Toronto, that's honestly like maybe a two-hour drive or four-hour drive or some shit. It's really close. Yeah. So we were like, we'll kind of see how it goes. That show was like still mess. So we didn't know if we were going to go to New York and then come back down that way or if we would have, you know, just ended up coming straight from Baltimore. So we let it go. As it turned out, we were too poor because you don't make no money touring. Mm. So (laughs) even though we're fancy in Canada and all this shit, we're definitely the brokest people even still. Mm. And we just are carrying around the stuff that we have and, you know, making the connections and taking pictures and having the good times. But it was like, no, we need to take our ass back home. We're tired. And it had already been like three or four shows by then. So it was kind of, we were like, okay, we can go home for another day. Yeah. Because there was a second leg of the tour and that had us going straight out to Texas. Mm. So it was like, actually not that bad of a deal maybe to sit down and show for a week. So the money, we we were in Canada and it was home and we needed to secure the tickets to get home. And so I was like, fine, I just need this much money. Cool. Got it sent to us. Pay for it. Bam. Fine. We're hanging out. The bus is, you know, we have to go to the bus. So we're walking to the bus. We get to the bus terminal. And Megabus is like, blah, blah, blah. Or both. I don't remember which one it was. It really doesn't matter. They're both awful. And because um, there is a, if, if ever you're wondering, and if ever you need to escape the country for about 40 bucks, you can drive to White Marsh and get on the Megabus. And 14 hours later, you will be in Toronto. She may quote fingers, so yes. I don't know yeah, about 14 hours. <laughs> it, it's 14 hours, depending on how much traffic and how many pee breaks, you know, yeah. you have to hit. But that's about it. And you can be in Toronto. And this bus leaves every day. Same time. 9 p.m. 
The problem is, it was not until getting there when I'm like, here's the tickets. They're like, you're not on this. And I'm like, yes, I am. Look. And we discovered that tickets were actually purchased for the next day. Oh, no. Not this day. So I'm sitting there like, I have to go home to my country. Right. You're not, <laughs> like, this isn't a, you know, whatever. Like, somebody get on the phone and do whatever. So I'm out there throwing a small tantrum on the phone with the mega bus people and the angry bus lot driver lady is like, I don't give a fuck about your life. Mm. I'm taking off now. And I'm like, I'm talking to your supervisor right now. And he says, wait. But as it turned out, these are the various stops that the buses make. They were like, okay, the bus isn't full, but it's fake full later. We can't. I was like, can you just kick us off in Philly then? The fuck? I'm like, I'm in Canada. I don't care where you leave me in, in my country. because my country. So you can say the bus is full and make me get off at any of these stops. I'm way okay. I'm in America. I'm not in America here. I'm like, I'm look, this is a passport, not a license. Yeah, yeah right. no, I'm like, seriously, I'm like, this is a completely different situation getting caught here. But they were like, you know, you know, there's nothing we can do. You, you bought the tickets for tomorrow, so you just gotta gotta figure out something. And it lucked out because the people we um we stayed in an Airbnb when we were there. Mm-hmm. And the people we stayed with loved us. That's and they were kinda like we don't really even want you to go. Are you sure you can't stay a few more days anyway? So they walk us down there. And when they heard this, they're over there like, yay, you have to stay again. <laughs> we're we're like, stuck. Right. We're like, oh, okay, I guess you win. So we went and got some Chinese food and hung out another night. Nice. <laughs> and just ended up, you know, they didn't charge us or anything. They're like, you know. You can oh, well, that's good. Yeah, they're like, you can just stay. You're about to leave. And they like this. Yeah. You know, they're like, whenever you come back, you know. <laughs> so it, that again is a perky travel. You meet people. You yeah. Know, it, it was really cool because fun. the people that we stayed with, were super excellent. They locked us out. I got a lot. I had to break into. <laughs> I had to break into a Toronto uh, apartment with my wonderful Baltimore skills because um, it was the night of our actual showcase, and we were coming back. And I warned the people. They knew what we were doing. Of course, it's Airbnb, so they're all like, you know, you're you know cool. And they're a little bit of fashionista model folk. It was very interesting. Very very interesting thing. So they were aware of the festival and they already kind of had their own little fashion events around it sure so they're like well no you're you're cool you're djing we're gonna maybe try to you know stop by your show and i'm like absolutely do that so the one night of like our main event they already had another event to do but we told them we're gonna be coming back in the house like kind of late though you know just so you know one of the red flags about this trip because it was a good trip but there were several mishaps that Mm. occurred one of the red flags was upon checking in, they were like, well, this is new. We only have this one set of keys. So we had to do Gotta that. Coordinate that. Right. Yeah. With the owner, they didn't have a, a special, you know, set to give us. So we're like, okay. And so leaving out, we told them like, we're probably not going to be able, the show doesn't end until like two or three in the morning. And I think we were all supposed to get something to eat about that. So we're like, we're going to be coming in like late-ish. So some, some, oh no, it's fine. The door will be open. <laughs> da, da. And if not, you can just call and we won't be that far away. Cause we'll probably be at this party and some, some, something. I'm like, all right, bet. The party ended. We went to a diner where that very polite fight occurred because, <laughs> you know, it was that the thing about this night is, okay, so we're in Canada and it's cold. This was last April. So it wasn't cold, cold, but it was maybe this particular night. It got cold down enough. to maybe in the low 50s and 40s and it was breezy. We just left this party. So we're like soaking in sweat. So being outside was an issue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was just like, no. So we went to eat and we ended up getting the Uber back to the apartment. And I'm outside with Elon, who is who came up there with me. And it is four in the morning. My battery has about 4% left on it on my cell phone. 
and we were both freezing because we're still damp even though we sat in the diner and ate food we're still damp and tired Elon had like gotten sick because we partied too hard he like threw up so it was, it was oh, a whole geez. it was a whole it was a full blown it was a full blown turn of like we got fucked up we had a good time we danced around like he threw up we ate food blah 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 <laughs> we come back and it's like four something in the morning it's cold and windy we're sweaty the wind's blowing I have to pee extremely bad mm-hmm. and I'm like I just wanted to get inside get out of these sweaty clothes go pee and fall into the bed and it's gonna be great the door is locked and I'm like okay so we're banging on the door again it's 4 in the morning it's in downtown Toronto so everything's dead it's completely quiet you know and it's like okay there's like very minimal cars driving around no one would answer the phone and then my phone died and we're sitting out there like absolutely not (laughs) like this is not what's going to happen so i ended up just breaking into the door we stood out there for maybe like 15 minutes trying to figure out like somebody was gonna like climb up on the thing and and i was just like screw this i'm about to just fuck this door up and break into this apartment well you tried to do the legit thing but then you just had to take care of business and i was like seriously if a cop comes i'm gonna be like look canadian cop (laughs) i know it looks an awful lot like mr Mr. mountie sir i want him to come on like the horse or whatever (laughs) Like, I don't know if they are, if that's what the Toronto cops are. It would have been really nice. They do wear those hats, though. I didn't see them. They nice. have the hat situation. I'm like, I just want it really bad to be able to, them to come and be like, look, I'm an American. Be nice to me because no Americans are fat and dumb. But I'm really smart and I'm really nice. I'm fat. But listen, I do, I do need to get inside here. All my stuff is here. I'm not from here. Hell, I'm an Airbnb. So I definitely had to break in the apartment and get inside. And as it turned out, the, the person was just inside, just super stoned, oh, and went to sleep because they had a uh, bad night, <laughs> and that's why they didn't hear us banging at the door, <laughs> and we were locked out. And that's why I was like, "Fuck this country! I'm going back home. <laughs> I don't care how nice it is. We have to leave. Yeah. It is we have overstayed our welcome, and it is now time to return me to Baltimore, where it's dingy and okay, but where I learned how to break into a." Uh, you know, break into various doors. There you go. If you imagine if you were from Baltimore, that's you would have been able like, to really, do that. Honestly, it would have been a whole crazy different thing if I didn't have certain type of life experiences <laughs> from from the wonderful city that I'm from. Because we'd have been screwed. There was there was no way for us to contact anybody. And again, like the city shut down, so we yeah, would have been freezing and I'd have like peed on myself. It would have <laughs> just been terrible until somebody came and saw us. Like, what is what are these? black people <laughs> dressed like this for just in a pile of mess on the street in toronto i don't know i, I want to kind of wrap it up um let you guys go but i do want to ask before we wrap it up so when you're out when you're out in philly when you're in toronto when you're in texas when you come back to baltimore what's special about the place to you i mean aside from it being your home like um it's a good question uh it's become really hard to think about because I have been able to go to other places and experience the people and the environments. And when I do come home, I'm like, why am I coming back here? Mm-hmm. You know, um, cause it's a dark time now. That's the problem with it because my initial answer to that would have been, well, it's home. You right. know, it is just the, I know where everything is and it's kind of like, Oh, everything still is. I left it, you know, like, I can still walk around blind and know, you know, where it is. But these past couple of years have, especially with the work that we do, because we have decided to take it upon ourselves to be involved with a lot of it. There are so many issues just involved with 
just being a resident of Baltimore, period. But then never mind if you're a black resident. Never mind if you're a black woman. Never mind if you're a black queer. But never mind if you're black. Like, everything just adds up on top of each other. So it's honestly, it's more exhausting now than not sometimes. And even though as soon as I leave, I'm kind of pressed to come back home because, like, I'm not home. You know, it's always something. It's like coming back. Now it has its own host of issues. It's just like, oh, yeah. It's just like more kind of like a list of things to do. That's what's different. And I guess that's like the purpose of it. Because it's like, you feel like it's our job to do that. Not just as a cute thing to do. And it's also not so easy then as a, oh, well, screw it. I can just leave and never deal with this again either. There's there's a reason we haven't yet. I guess that's kind of what it is. Because like, there are through this opportunities that we could have been gone you know he says it all the time like he threw somebody knows somebody who we could be in france right now honestly if it was a passport and a plane ticket paid for already he could be there living just and uh you know all of us have those capabilities there's friends in atlanta there's friends in philly new york everywhere sure that uh, we could call right now like yo can we come be there for a month with you and people be like okay i'm excited and we never see this shit again mm-hmm. but there's still something enough about it that it's like an ownership thing. It's like, nah, we come home because we have to come home. And this is what it is. And it's inherent Baltimore in this period <laughs> is what's different about it. There is nothing like coming home and you're on the bus and you see like the stupid ass Natty Bosign coming up that part of, you know, 95 or you see the, the, um, like the stadiums. If you come up the other direction, like, that's just, there is nowhere that looks like that. There is nowhere that smells like this. Ew. You know, it's like, it's just so many things. It's like, this is what, this is and this is what's missing from these other places all right sean megan well thank you guys so much this is a lot of fun thank hope you. to see you guys soon it was right even though it felt wrong nothing ever stung you i'm showing your progression